Hey, everybody. This is Jordan Schachtel. I am the host of the Dossier podcast, which is now exclusively on call-in. Um, I just started the, moving this podcast over to call-in last week, and I am still getting the hang of it and the technical details. So if something is screwed up, please DM me if you can on this app and tell me what is going on. Um, still going through the ins and outs of it. But I am the publisher of the dossier on Substack, um, where I write about all kinds of topics, um, particularly over the last couple of years. I talked about the so-called pandemic and all of the um, issues surrounding it. And one of the common themes throughout the this insane situation was um, all these topics dealing with these so-called vaccines, there are very few platforms on which you can discuss this stuff um, in an objective manner and talk about the facts and without facing potential content from all of these platforms. So um, I know that call-in, uh, when I moved my podcast over, they very much pledged to be extremely pro-free speech. So I am willing to accept that I'm not going to be booted from call-in, hopefully, for talking about this issue, because I think it's something we definitely need a platform where we can talk about this stuff openly, because, you know, if I, um, even if I advertised this topic on Twitter, um, and said like, Hey, let's talk about the, I, I, originally the title was, Hey, let's talk about these junk COVID vaccines. And then I thought, well, Hey, I can't really advertise it that way on Twitter because I think I'll just get banned permanently. And that would be really bad timing given, you know, if Elon Musk takes it over, hopefully he will bring back all these people that were lost. Um, but today, so this morning I was reading, um, there's a new information from the FDA, they expanded eligibility for this Pfizer shot, this mRNA shot for children, specifically kids that are 5 to 11 years old. And now kids can get the booster dose. This is after already having taken two shots of the COVID vaccine. So now it's cleared and you have this FDA commissioner, Robert Califf, who's I mean, for, right off the bat, I'm reading this FDA press release, and he says that, um, you know, the Omicron, it's just, he starts with the scaremongering. So he says the, the Omicron wave has seen more kids getting sick with the disease and being hospitalized, and children may also experience longer-term effects even following initially mild disease. So Caliph is setting up the argument to inject your kids with this experimental garbage. And the next thing he says is, um, if your child is eligible, uh, basically, you know, get them their primary vaccine series and get them the booster because vaccination can, quote, help protect them from the potentially severe consequences that it can occur and death, end quote. And to me, this is absolutely tragic. It's just full of complete lies. Um, kids have never been threatened by COVID whatsoever, not even in the most remote 
possibility has it ever been an issue for children that are this age. So the idea that you're going to give them these shots and that it's going to be a net positive is insane. Um, I think that the FDA very much are aware of this, but they're all just entirely compromised by pharmaceutical companies from the bureaucracy. Um, I think that there's a couple motivating factors. Definitely a lot of them are just extremely corrupt. They're making royalties from a lot of pharmaceutical companies and they don't want to betray the narrative. They don't want, you know, they, there's kind of like a sunk cost here. We're complicit in um, endorsing these shots, which, um, you know, I'll, we'll talk about the track record in a second, but they're very, they're very much on board with these shots. Um, they had no idea how they actually worked. Very few people when they came out knew how they worked and the FDA, you know, gave Blake blank clearance to it. And then this other motivating factor, I think that is very important is that it, when you're operating in a, in a bureaucracy of this size, you don't want to be the guy that kind of like steps out into the, into the light and starts talking about the possibility that these things are not good for kids and that they're essentially poisonous to kids. Um, this could get you in a lot of trouble, even though uh, bureaucrats, it, you probably wouldn't lose your job because it's like impossible to fire a federal bureaucrat, essentially, unless they like, I mean, even in the event that a bureaucrat commits some type of murder, <laughs> they'll still be put on like paid leave while the case is getting investigated. It is literally impossible to fire a federal bureaucrat. It's, it's insane. Um, but like when we talk about these vaccines, we have to start in a very early, um, time in COVID mania, right when they started to come out with these things, because not a lot of people are aware of the reality that these, these so-called vaccines, and we really shouldn't even use that word to describe them, but just to make it easier to follow that the so-called vaccines have not. Um, been reformulated whatsoever since they came out. And there was a lot of data suggesting that maybe they worked for the original strain or the, the strain that was identified in Wuhan, China. Um, that was the most encouraging data. But the problem with that is that the strain that we saw in Wuhan, China has been non-existent for about two years now. So what you're essentially doing when, and disclaimer, I'm not a doctor, but I can read data just fine. And I know the reality of the situation. I've been reporting on it for two years. Um, what you're essentially doing when you're injecting people with this stuff is there's no upside to it. You know, it cannot claim to be targeting a, a relevant variant because these shots are old, they're expired. It, it's somewhat the equivalent of taking, you know, the, the flu vaccine from three years ago and, and expecting it to work. And, you know, there's all kinds of issues with the, the flu thing opens up a bag of worms too, but it, it just doesn't, there's, there's zero upside to injecting. I, I think in my, this is all my opinion, uh, informed opinion, but in my view, at anyone of any age at this point in the game 
if, if Pfizer and Moderna are still selling the same shot formulated for the Wuhan strain, by the way, that they were, this is a shot that they finalized in January of 2020. And although the dosage, the only thing that's different about, you know, the kids shot, uh, the adults shot is the dosage. So essentially, the, <laughs> to get this thing cleared, I, I think this is my opinion, that Pfizer and Moderna, well, well, Moderna has struggled to get the kids shots cleared because I think their dosage is too high and it's like too much poison. What I think Pfizer has figured out is that they have the, the poison dosage is like one third of the micrograms that the adults are getting. So they hope in doing so that kids will not suffer as severe a side effect. But what you're doing when you're injecting your child with um, the, these Pfizer BioNTech COVID shots, which aren't FDA approved, and I'll get to that in a second. When you're injecting your kid with this, you're basically poisoning them. Uh, and, and, I, and, you know, it might be shocking for me to be this blunt about it, but it's just like some, people need to, to wake up from, their, um, from you know, trying to trot, tread carefully around this issue. There is no evidence that this stuff is working. And there is a lot of evidence that there are severe side effects. I mean, I can give you so many resources to follow um, on social media that are documenting the side effects, whether it's through the VAR system or through you know, independent doctors, what they're seeing. But the idea, like the primary course for five to 11 year olds is bad enough because remember, COVID doesn't harm them and the vaccine can definitely harm them. When you're introducing a booster and you're going to spike these antibodies again, you're again putting your kid in, in danger. And, and it's very sad to see you know, propagandized parents who I think are going to come to very much regret this era and what they've done to their own children. Um, there's just the, 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 because, you know, I have a pretty big social media presence. I get so much, um, so many DMS, so many messages, uh, you know, personal stories, anecdotal stories, it's just like the, something needs to be done about this craziness because uh, you're not going to hear it from the FDA. You're not going to hear it from the corporate press. There's this giant sunk cost element where nobody wants to admit that they effectively promoted poison. And we are now having kids injected in it and the F in, and the FDA is just still fully on board. It, it's like the worst possible situation. We have, you know, a, a press full of cowards. All the incentives are in the wrong places. And the government's just moving forward because all the incentives align to push this stuff out. You know, it, it's crazy. Like, we're already, um, and I'm happy to hear your comments on it or calls or anyone who wants to jump in. But... Um, yeah, it, it, it's crazy to see like how far the government is is pushing on this issue. There just there just seems to be no end to it. I, I, I'm like I, I was reading a press release last week that they're on you know, shot five now for people that are over fifty, I think, and it, it's just there's no data backing any of this stuff, and, and the most important part is that this is an old shot that doesn't work. 
I think like all the arguments aside, whether it's whether it's poisonous and there certainly seems to be some type of element where a lot of people are getting sick and being essentially poisoned by it. But the idea that it works is just it's just false. And even worse, they're basing this on this like antibody spike. And even their own data, when you look at this stuff on, you know, when they do studies on dose three, dose four, and I'm sure the studies on dose five, is that you have this declining efficacy issue. And while it seemed that people with the first couple shots, there was some type of shielding from um, getting infected when compared to the general population that it, it seemed that some people were able to avoid getting COVID for maybe like six months, but with each shot and like each antibody spike, it seems that that number and, and whether this has to do, it, it's unclear whether it has to do with the fact that this is an old shot for an old strain or it just doesn't work with the quantitative increase. But with each shot comes a decreased um, efficacy to the point where clearly efficacy, in my view, is, is zero. Like, you don't have to be a genius statistician to, to read this stuff. Um, there was a study out of Israel on dose three. And so this is people coming into dose four. And what they found with both doses is that there's this like, you know, there's this established period that they like to give themselves, the promoters of these shots of two weeks. So if you get sick within the two weeks, they, they say, oh, you know, you didn't build up the protection. So your, protect, your so-called protection doesn't kick in for two weeks. But then on dose three, this is dose three, not dose five, dose three. On dose three, these studies are, studies are showing that protection wanes to zero after a few months. So basically, you take this shot, again, experimental shot, and you have to take two weeks off the front end, and then the back end expires after three months total time. So you're talking, there are about, there's about, when you take a COVID shot after three doses, there's a hypothetical or supposed 75-day window in which you are covered. <laughs> like, it's like really crappy insurance that you're covered by the, the this, this so-called vaccine. And what is also interesting is when you look at the side effect profile, that a lot of people get sick from the shot itself. So like this is your, if this is your cost benefit, if you think about doing a cost benefit analysis, that you probably need to take, assuming you have this third dose efficacy rate, which we don't, but on the third dose efficacy rate, you'd probably have to take like five COVID shots per year to get protection throughout the year minus the five two-week periods that, that you don't have protection from like when this antibody thing is charging up. But the problem is with the fourth shot, it gets much worse. And your window is now with the fourth shot, you're like under two months. So now, now you have with the fourth shot, I was reading this study that like it's, it's two months maximum. Um, and again, you have the two week window. So now on the fourth shot, 
you are at six weeks. <laughs> and, and like this, this is, it's also proven that with each additional shot, you have an increased chance of worse side effects. So your fourth shot, um, exponentially worse chance of side effects. And now you're covered for six weeks. So now the FDA has taken to recommending the fifth shot. And I think we are well past the negative efficacy rate. Um, it, it, it's hard to even like discuss this issue without being very angry about it because these people are criminals and they just, they just don't care that they're essentially poisoning the American people. Um, I've written about this stuff very extensively at my Substack, and I, I really encourage you guys to check it out, dossier.substack.com. Um, so many of the issues involving these vaccines, too. And when it comes to the more, you know, I, I try, I, I avoid, because I'm not a doctor, I avoid any type of recommendations for your health. You know, it's not my job to do that. Um, I'm just simply reporting on the reality of this stuff. I, I came into it without any biases other than, you know, my, I come from a right-leaning, you know, pro-liberty standpoint. Um, and I don't have a reason to like hate these pharmaceutical companies off the bat. You know, I, I came into this with a very open mind. And the problem is that the conversation on social media is a bunch of people that came into this, um, especially the so-called experts in the, you know, Twitter is constantly elevating these charlatans and frauds. And, you know, we can go into the whole category of epidemiology, virology. These are all just like ridiculous industries that, um, that are more resembling astrology. I think it's maybe an insult to astrology at this point to compare epidemiologists to um, astrologists because at least they're not recommending that you take poison every few months and, um, and give it to your kids too. Um, so I, I think it's, it's also important to talk about there. There's also kind of this, um, this weird situation. And I, and I talked about this on social media, uh, on Twitter to the short extent that I could without getting banned. There's also this weird situation where we now live in a country where the vast majority of doctors, um, and, and I, I talked to a lot of doctors about this and, and why the reason behind it, but the vast majority of doctors endorsed the COVID vaccines and recommended them without ever understanding how they actually work, you know, what they actually do. Um, it was basically the, the, the government made this very hard push and threatened to um, take away medical licenses, spend medical licenses if they didn't uh, actively promote the vaccine. Um, I, I think it wasn't so much like some people are under the impression that all of these doctors are bought off by pharmaceutical companies. I think it's deeper than that. I think there is an institutional rot that it's not that they're bought off by the pharmaceutical companies, but their medical school training is jacked up and influenced by corrupted um, agencies and private actors. I, I think there's, if anything, 
this the, this COVID situation showed that you know, the the American medical and healthcare industry is entirely broken. Um, at least the good news for me, on the other end, is that it really makes you reevaluate all of this so-called health claims <laughs> made by you know the FDA, the CDC, all these organizations. And I think what you find is that if you really took everything that the FDA said as the gospel, that this is this is what you need to do to get healthy, you'd probably be like dead of uh, extreme diabetes by by the time you know you're you're middle aged, where you would just the FDA recommendations would end up would have you end up in this chronically diseased and ill state, um, whether it's, you know, telling you that meat uh, and eggs cause cancer and that you need to eat all of these poisonous seed oils and these bugs and like, you know, this Bill Gates kind of uh, soy insanity. Um, the FDA is not your friend. Like I, a lot of my, I think there's been a lot of progress made with a lot of my normie friends because like people got it who were kind of skeptical of government in the first place. But the, the normies operating in society, when they hear CDC or FDA recommended, they think, Oh, you know, they're just like a watchdog. They're looking out for me. But that's of course not at all how, how it really works in, in the real world. Uh, Run Level James says, do you think we will see accountability for any aspect of the U.S. COVID reaction in our time? What do you think a potential path to accountability would look like? Um, <laughs> accountability, that's a strong word. Um, I think these people are criminals because they are knowingly prescribing poison for people and their children. So... These, this has definitely reached the level of some type of crimes against humanity situation. You know, when people are talking on social media, you see a lot of uh, alluding to the Nuremberg trials. And I think there's something like that that needs to be done. Um, these people are criminals, Fauci, uh, all of these FDA employees, these, these pharmaceutical executives, this guy, Scott Gottlieb at Pfizer. These people are so evil to me. Like the idea that... Um, I, I know some of their, their colleagues um, and acquaintances, and I don't know how you can maintain a professional relationship with these types of people like that are telling you to poison your kids. Like, at some point, there needs to be something done. Do I think we will see accountability realistically? Um, I'm not so sure. Because remember um, that the reality of the situation is that the next administration if um, if Biden doesn't win, most likely Trump's going to want run and Trump's going to win. And Trump's going to be back in office. It's hard to believe because because of how much the uh, you know so called deep state hates him. But if Trump's back in office, like there's not going to be they're not going to look for accountability on something that was related to their own program, this Operation Warp Speed disaster. So. Realistically, we will not see accountability, but we can at least have be educate people to the extent where these people should be isolated from society and shamed. They should be perceived as similar to the, you know, the to take like kind of an extreme example. They should per be perceived as similar to these like 
those horrific um, Nazi collaborator doctors that um, did all these experiments on kids and whatnot. Um, yeah, something needs to be done about them, but I, I just don't see it happening um, in terms of like from a legal perspective, perspective, there is not going to be criminal trials and prosecutions and whatnot. I think possibly, maybe not on the individual level, but when it comes to these companies like Pfizer and Moderna, I do hope that, you know, I've been researching a lot of these um, vaccine accountability issues. And I think it's quite possible that things will turn very, very negative for Pfizer and Moderna um, as people continue to get sick from these shots. Uh, I think that they're in a uniquely awful position and it's very much possible that our political institutions can turn against them because they don't want to be left holding the bag when it becomes very clear when like these corporate press papers, if they start to turn, like if the New York times and Washington post, which is read by the DC uh, so-called elite, if they start reporting on even in the slightest bit, the side effects profile of the Pfizer shots and Moderna shots, um, you know, kids getting paralyzed by them and all this awful stuff. I think you could very much see a Theranos-like situation uh, that can happen with these companies. Because I don't think that you'll ever see accountability on the government side. But speaking of accountability on the government side, um, and also another thing I've written extensively about, if you noticed in this... Um, in this press release today from the FDA about giving a booster dose for five to 11 year olds, they, they did it in the form of emergency use authorization, which is strange because the, the FDA approved Pfizer shot, the FDA approved a Pfizer shot of almost a year ago. Um, and I, I know some people wanted an update on that situation. Uh, for those who don't know, the FDA approved two shots so far for COVID-19. Um, one is Comirnaty made by Pfizer. The other is Spikevax made by Moderna. What is interesting about these shots is that you still can't get them. They're nowhere to be found. And the FDA, through their approval of these these emergency authorization approval of all of these other doses, they continue to use the EUA process. And I, I wrote about this at the dossier and Substack a lot. Um, there's a lot of reasons why these U.S. public health bureaucracies don't want to see a Pfizer or Moderna shot on the market. And this is because basically... In my view, Pfizer and Moderna, they're the only game in town. And they don't want, th th there's only one possible explanation for why um, these FDA approved vaccines are, aren't available. And it has to do with legal protection. That if something happens with their vaccines, so called vaccines, 
they want to, they feel that I'm sure their legal departments feel that they're safer if someone gets a bad reaction from an EUA shot than from an FDA approved shot. And when it's FDA approved, you know, the government has more legal liability. And although I understand um, the perspective that basically if it is like, so there's some people who say the legal protections are the same, whether it's an uh, emergency use authorization shot or an FDA approved shot. But I don't agree with that argument. And in addition to that, I, I just don't, um, I don't see that there's a reason why this this shot is is a ghost shot. There's a reason why there's this weird bureaucratic language calling them legally distinct separate entities and stuff like that. That there's there's this FDA. And for those of you who may be um, listening from overseas, so every country has its own laws. So this the Pfizer shot named Comirnaty and the Moderna shot named Spikevax, which are FDA approved in the U.S. They are, I believe, indeed available elsewhere. And that is because countries have different laws and, you know, they decided to allow it into the wild, maybe in in these European health agencies where they think that maybe they do have the same type of protections. But in the United States, there is something very strange going on. And I I think that a lot of these members of Congress, um, whether it's House members or senators, can do a better job at probing these pharmaceutical companies and they don't because, you know, they're basically um, beholden to the lobbyists from these pharmaceutical companies that they could do a better job. There's been some good, like Senator Ron Johnson, uh, Rep. Thomas Massey, Rand Paul, of course, has done great work on this, but there's a lot more that can be done about this. Um, And I think that this is, this is definitely an opening if you're going to try to um, expose these pharmaceutical companies is people need to demand answers about why the FDA approved version is not available. It just doesn't make sense to me. I, I, their excuse at first was um, it was, it, I believed it at first, you know, this was maybe a month after the Pfizer shot got approved. Basically Pfizer was saying that, Hey, you know, we don't have the labels yet. We have all this inventory and once the inventory of the EUA shots is is done, you know, what we're going to do, the FDA approved shots. And what's interesting is that Pfizer has not updated their response. This was this shot was approved in August of 2021. And they're still saying the same thing. They're like, oh, yeah, you know, we have the labels. But the labels thing doesn't make any sense anymore because now Pfizer in separate press releases has announced that they are continuing to produce the EUA emergency use authorization shots for the Pfizer BioNTech um, so-called vaccine. So there's all this contradicting nonsense. And from what I've also been reading about, you know, the legal issues surrounding this is that there are some, while they do have extensive protection and this was granted through Congress, um, through the Trump and Biden administrations, the these vaccine companies do have extensive protection. But, um, and from following guys like uh, Ed Dowd and RFK Jr., it does seem that there is an opening if you can prove 
that these companies um, basically committed fraud. And I think this is a, there's a real possibility. I mean, I think that there are a bunch of fraudsters and criminals, and I, I think it's just a matter of time before people realize that. Like, if no, not financial advice, but if you think that like Moderna and Pfizer stock is is going to go up forever, I, I think that's that, that would be a pretty foolish assessment. Um, my optimistic take is that Pfizer and Moderna are going to go down and go down hard, um, and that there will be no accountability on the government side of things. But I think one of the signs you might see in the near future is a change of tone. Um, I, I think, you know, it's, it's tough from Florida to see, you know, what these insane people are doing in New York city and LA and whatnot. And I hear, you know, they're very much still committed to their uh, COVID idiocy, but it seems that, that people by and large in America, the population's kind of getting bored and sick of COVID. You know, they're ready for a new thing to be afraid about. Uh, maybe that's nuclear war <laughs> or whatnot. But uh, it, it just seems that this it's not sticking like it used to. And I, I think that the vaccine uptake, if you look at the stats, it, it's pretty clear that um, it's kind of fading there doesn't seem to be a passion you see it on twitter amongst like these these insane people this like epi crowd that wants to get injected every every three months for the rest of their life but i think normal americans are kind of done with it i i think there's this kind of like quiet shame <laughs> that you're seeing among the uh you know the the, the triple boosted or, or whatever it is at this whatever the cutoff is is that they kind of realize that these shots don't work. And in their personal experiences, I think a lot of people got very sick from taking these injections and that they're, they're done with it. Like they're not going to take it the rest of their life. I saw an interview with Bill Gates. Um, I think it was a couple of days ago and he looks horrible, by the way, he looks like he's like poisoned. So <laughs> Bill Gates is it, when it comes to his diet, he's very much a true believer. But what Bill Gates said in an interview said that you, everyone is going to need, I'm paraphrasing. He said, everyone is going to need a COVID shot um, every six months until there are better vaccines, which was interesting because he was the biggest promoter of these shots. And I, I think if you read between the lines, he's saying like that these, these shots are barely working and like he's in too deep. So he needs to keep recommending them. But what he added was that if you're over 50, you're going to need it more than every six months. And what's fascinating is he uses the word vaccine several times. So, you know, Bill Gates, who's um, I don't know. I don't know if he, he believes in his own garbage shots. But for the person who's on you know shot four, shot five, he says you need one every six months. And if you are over 50, maybe every every season. Um, and I, I think he's basically. When you get into the intentions of Bill Gates, maybe I should shift the subject matter. But uh, what he's recommendation is, it's it's like take hemlock at this point. The, if you didn't catch the beginning of this, the idea that this shot works at all is total nonsense at this point. There was, you could have made a compelling argument, say, 
when this shot rollout happened, and it would have made for a nice debate about whether these shots are a net positive or a net negative, given the knowns and unknowns about this novel technology. Um, but today, you would have to be a fool to truly believe that when you are injecting yourself with a shot made in January of 2020 for a strain that has not been detected in public for two years, you are injecting yourself with this experimental shot. You're injecting your kids with it. There is zero upside, like zero. Um, even if you're in like this maximum protection range, there's just it's just utter bullshit. There's just no such thing as this shot working today. Um, and even Bill Gates alluded to the reality that, you know, when he said we need better vaccines, we don't need better vaccines. We need better immune systems. Um, another interesting thing that I've written about when it comes to these shots is that I, I think that Americans in particular, we are not aware of the COVID situation around the world. People are very much tuned in with their own reality that is near them. Even there are pockets of America throughout this whole thing. Like people that would come down to Florida, they were absolutely shocked at how we were living. But um, what's interesting about on, on the you know, so-called vaccine side of things, that people are entirely unaware that the vast majority of the world that has taken a so-called COVID vaccine has not taken an mRNA shot. Um, in fact, the entire population of China, none of them have taken mRNA shots. The, the vast majority of the population of Russia, none of them have taken mRNA shots. So the idea that this is some kind of miracle cure is debunked also by the global data showing that basically countries that have produced data on COVID, um, so this is like everywhere other than impoverished developing nations, um, well, not even developing nations, just, just like very impoverished nations that didn't want to spend the money to track the COVID data um, because developing nations did. But they all had relatively similar consequences, like when all things being equal. Um, and it didn't matter. What's interesting about this data is it didn't matter what vaccines they took. And this makes me think that none of this shit actually works. <laughs> so uh, you know, China, they injected all of their citizens with an inactivated homegrown thing. Um, I think it's Sinovac and Sinopharm are the two big ones. Uh, I don't know how to say that in Chinese, but um, you can't trust China's data, but Nowhere in the world did you see a population of so-called unvaccinated people like dropping dead in masks. Um, that didn't happen anywhere. Yeah, other than you know in that scripted play in Wuhan in January and February of over two years ago in 2020. Um, so if that hasn't happened, and if all outcomes have been very similar like there's no country where they took a specific shot and like oh my god it was amazing or oh my god it was horrible that hasn't happened anywhere 
So that makes me think that none of this stuff works. Um, and if it does work, the, none of this, there, there's no evidence that the, the mRNA stuff works better than anything else. So this whole narrative that you've seen in the corporate press and through people like Fauci and other government employees that like, oh, we have the best stuff in the United States. It's just not true. People have been propagandized to believe that mRNA is better, but there's like statistically speaking, there's, it's just nonsense. In fact, like if I were forced to take a COVID injection, knowing what I know now, I would take that, the Chinese stuff, because it's, um, it, 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 it's at least an inactivated, uh, you know, it's been like kind of like a studied method and I might get side effects from it, but like, there's no way I would be injecting, um, MRNA into my body right now. <laughs> and, the, it, and the fact is like, if you listen to these interesting people like, um, uh, Robert Malone and, um, what's the uh, cardiologist's name? It, it seems that like even these guys, who have been intimately involved in the creation of these shots, even, even they're not like super confident that they can give you every detail about the process. And I, I think this kind of like bears out when we see the side effects, like when we see women, like, so, so the way that the mRNA shot was described at first to preface this is that it, it's like a targeted shot um, you know, it's not going to like leak everywhere through your system. And like, it's just attacking the virus, it's killing the virus, which is also an interesting thing because it was, it was supposed to prevent infection emphasis on prevent that hasn't happened. When you, if you go back, like go on YouTube and, and read some of the, or watch some of these early, like visual explainers or read all any of these early articles, you'd be fascinated to find out that, um, these these shots were des- were designed and supposedly implemented to stop infection entirely like similar to how the polio vaccine is advertised um, that you will take this you will not get covid and this is based on the mrna science obviously what happened is that everyone got covid anyway and people continue to get sick because that's what happens every respiratory season um, in human history. But what's um, <clears throat> interesting about the, um, the side effects profile is that people are getting all kinds of weird side effects everywhere, especially, you know, women, so many women have reported uh, the injection messing with their hormone menstrual cycle. Um, and this was not supposed to happen. Like there's a lot of side effects that are just, remember they, I think it was Naomi Wolf who was banned from organizing like a group of women's testimonies about the shots. And there's a lot of stuff that's happening that it it doesn't seem to, um, there's no accountability. Like it's just wild to me. Uh, Steph Jansen says, uh, okay. So Steph is, saying that this is completely wrong, what I'm saying. mRNA has been so successful, it's being applied now to cancer treatments and other diseases. It doesn't prevent infection. It lessens the impact and severity of infection. Um, 
my counter argument would be there is so basically what I'm talking about right now is my counter argument is that your favorite scientists and doctors told me it prevents infection. The idea that mRNA is now being tested for a cancer therapy that doesn't that doesn't mean that it it, it works for COVID. Um, in, in fact, if you look at the history of mRNA, the reason why it never made it to market prior to COVID was because people were having all of these horrific side effects and they couldn't even test it in humans because the side effect profile was so bad in their rats and mice. So, so the idea that like, I get that this, there is a new narrative and that new narrative started when it was clear that these shots were not working to prevent infection, which was the chief claim to this uh, mRNA shot. Remember, it was designed and advertised as a cure to COVID, that when you took this, COVID was over, you were not going to get COVID. The testimony of every major government official, the, the, the CEO of Pfizer, the head of Moderna, this was how it was supposed to work. So while, yes, it is true, your counter argument that it doesn't prevent infection, um, that is not what everyone said who had designed, produced, and advertised this stuff in the first place. So, um, yeah, I, I take issue with, with all of that because it, it's just you're, you're revising the history of this program. And, and I urge you, it, it, you know, I'm, I'm happy to um, debate either side of this, but factually speaking, you're wrong. Like this is the history is very clear of these mRNA shots and they were designed and advertised by the government and by the pharmaceutical companies and your favorite politicians that they would stop COVID and COVID was going to be over. So this is essentially the, the, the 20, the late 2021, early 2022 narrative that it prevents uh, severity or lessens impact of infection. And that stuff is also unproven by the way. Um, and, and I think, you know, too many people who are so caught up in whether or not your case of COVID, which again, 99.8% recovery rate, whether your case of COVID is better or worse with an, MR, with an experimental mRNA shot. Remember that the experimental mRNA shot also has a giant side effect profile and you need to take that into account, especially when it comes to, um, I get, I get the old debate about whether or not seniors or people with um, immune immunity issues should take it, but the idea that it should be in your kids is a non-starter, and um, uh, parents should be better than to, especially at this point in the game. I got it early on, like, hey, you know, it's propagandized by the government and by these pharmaceutical companies. I did something stupid. I regret it. I, I gave this to my kids. I'll never give this to my kids again. Today, in May 17th, 2022, you're giving this to your kids. Um, you're committing negligence. So, Lacus Logician says, in your opinion, is this a big pharma propaganda bank run? Um, 
Can someone please explain what that means? Um, is Big Pharma making... Big Pharma is... Oh, okay. Uh, we have... Uh, let me get back to that. Josh? Joshua? Joshua, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. I have to explain my questions all the time. Um, okay. So, it, well, I just... I mean, I've been uh, dealing with this from the beginning as well. I'm not... Uh, a scientist, but I also was propagandized into getting it. It w fulfilled work requirements. Um, but I see it as a body and health autonomy issue. But I also see it as something that, you know, quite frankly, it just has created a lot of money for people that actually are not concerned about the health about of the people and have legitimately obviously shown that through um, the opioid crisis. Um, and Bill Gates actually came out and admitted as much that they just they didn't realize that it was just essentially probably the flu. Or what, is that convenient for you not to realize it now, now that all of this money has been wasted? Because, you know, the companies you're invested in have made so much money. Yeah. Oh, so I, get, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Um, and and I, I totally agree with with um, what your uh, your your analysis uh, there is a huge financial element to this. Um, I actually just reported on the numbers. I don't know if you guys know the the revenue numbers for Pfizer and Moderna, but it is it is insane. <laughs> the, you know the the idea that these um, the, these these shots are free. Uh, you are paying for it, and you are paying a premium for it with your tax dollars. Um, Pfizer announced their Q1 sales at the beginning of the month. And they made a quarterly uh, profit of around $8 billion. So this is not revenue, by the way. This is profit. So company on track to make over $30 billion this year, $100 billion in revenue. There is a huge financial element to this. The On the Moderna side of things, I, I believe that their, um, their margins are better but they don't sell as much product, but they are still profiting billions quarterly. And the Moderna executives um, have a ton of stock. So they're totally beholden to the stock price and pumping the vaccines is what is making these people very rich. They, Moderna has no other business other than COVID shots. Um, they have been entirely funded by the government since their founding, all of their research and development, all of their trials. I mean, it's, it's just completely taxpayer funded. Pfizer, prior to the COVID situation, they had more of like a distributed profile, but Pfizer has basically become a COVID company too. In fact, in their financial statements that they released, at the beginning of the month, Pfizer admitted that they wouldn't have made any profit in the last couple of years had it not been for the COVID shots. So talk about a company that's totally committed to this narrative. Um, and anyone else that wants to get in here, uh, you can use the app or ask a question or call in. Um, yeah, these companies have complete what, what's interesting is that if you notice that Johnson and Johnson's kind of just been like phased out, I guess they didn't have better luck as they didn't have the connections or lobbyists 
So they lost out. So this entire 330 million person country, Pfizer and Moderna have this amazing monopoly over, <laughs> over, over this fake, over this government created market of their poison shots. And they will continue to promote this stuff as, as, as long as it takes. Because I, I think like if, if you just look at the numbers, these companies cannot, they need the crisis more than anyone. Um, if you think Fauci and Walensky and, and Cardiff, the FDA chief, if you think they need this crisis, um, how about people whose board position like a guy like Scott Gottlieb relies on him selling shots and for incentives like they, these companies might cease to exist if they don't have these perpetual crises. Um, So they're, and the issue is that in a genuine free market, something like this never would have happened. This cartelization issue. If you look at even countries like Mexico, there's like, there's like nine shots available in Mexico right now. You can get you can get China's shot, you can get Russia's shot, you can get two of shots from India. But in the United States, a lot of people don't know this that like in the United States it, it's just access is entirely cut off and I think that's purposeful. I think that you have this situation where our government has decided to empower two specific actors who are very much tied in with the administration and with so-called public health agencies. And it's just, they have a monopoly on products, a monopoly on propaganda. Um, Things are going very well for them. And that's why I think like the two, if we want accountability, uh, I think you need to focus your fire entirely on Pfizer and Moderna because these are, companies, you know, these are the ones that are producing the product. These are the theranosis of our time. Um, but yeah, with that, yeah, thanks so much everyone for coming on and uh, I'll wrap it up. Thanks guys. I'll probably, I'll do another podcast Monday at noon.